All right, Randy Zellier from Back Sports Page and Off Topic. We're here with Conrad Thompson from Something to Wrestle With, 83 Weeks. Uh, what happened when? Starcast. I, I, if you're a wrestling fan, you know him, and he's all over the place. Conrad, how you doing today, my friend? I'm good, dude. How are you? I'm doing great, and thanks for giving me a few minutes. I got to tell you, I, right before we, you know, we started recording, I just, I sort of did my my fandom, like, wow, you're awesome speech to you, and and I, I got to ask, you know, you've been a wrestling fan since you were a kid, as you've made it known through the podcast. What was it like for you to sort of break into the, I guess, the, the media slash podcasting industry? Is it one of those things that sort of happened by mistake, or how did this whole thing come about? Yeah, total accident, man. You know, I've advertised my mortgage company on local morning and afternoon drive radio for years, and I befriended the nature boy Ric Flair in 2013, and sometime in 14, he started kicking around the idea of uh, doing a podcast with CBS, and then in 15, we debuted on the Play.it platform, the Woo Nation show which was uh, not long for this world less than a year and then uh, he was ready to just sort of pack it in eventually i talked him into doing uh, our own sort of independent podcast which we call the rick flair show and through the course of doing those two podcasts i uh, was introduced to a whole cast of characters and one by one i started to roll out shows with them individually bruce pritchard and tony shawani and then eric bischoff and more recently uh, jim ross so we've had quite the run here but it was a total accident you know, the, the whole thing came about when Rick said, listen, I'm not sure what a podcast is or how it works, but would you come into the studio and just ask me fan questions for my first episode? And, you know, we'll call Harley Race and, or we'll call Kurt Angle or whoever. And I said, yeah, absolutely. So we did a pilot episode, and I don't think CBS knew what to expect. They really just wanted it to be a one-chair show and just be Rick, but they liked the way I sort of drove the ship and, and set Rick up to be the star. And uh, they were happy, he was happy, and I kept doing it. But I had absolutely no intention of becoming a podcaster or getting into the business, and I have no formal training. I didn't go to school for this, none of that jazz. Just uh, I really enjoyed it. I had a good time, jumped at the opportunity, and put in the work on research and prep and show development. So you, you, like a lot of us, grew up as a wrestling fan. How cool is it, not only with Ric Flair, but being able to talk and meet some of your uh, childhood heroes? Oh man, it was surreal. You know, my first WrestleMania experience of my life, I went to WrestleMania with Ric Flair and, you know, I got to go around the back and meet everybody from Hulk Hogan to Steve Austin to Roddy Piper and The Rock and everybody in between. And, you know, as, as I'm meeting those guys, of course, I, I got pictures of all of them. Ric Flair was the cameraman. So it's really like, how cool of a WrestleMania moment is this? And it was a surreal moment and a surreal experience. But now it's, uh, it's sort of old hat. It's just, uh, it's part of the routine now. Yeah, it's sort of like me with, with football and basketball. I, I, my first day of working in this industry, I got to meet Michael Jordan. I'm like, well, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to top that. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, going back with the podcast, you, you know, the Something to Wrestle With podcast with Bruce Pritchard took off. And when did you really feel at that point in time you guys were really on to something special? I knew it was going to be a hit before we ever did the first one. You know, I was working with Bruce on some other stuff. And one day after a long day of shooting, uh, some, some television commercials from a mortgage company, um, I asked, hey, man, what happened with, uh, you know, that whole mass exodus from WCW to the WWF with Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit and all those guys? And he turned to me, I was on the couch in my living room, and told me a story for more than an hour. And I was just captivated. I wasn't even particularly interested in those guys, not necessarily big fans, but um, I felt like I needed to, you know, knock it out. And, and, and I knew that this would be a home run. 
so I sat down with him. We did a, a, a practice run after about three weeks of me goading him that this was the formula for a podcast, no longer the guest-driven format. And uh, it was a hit. He was happy. I was happy. And, and we were off to the races. And I think he became convinced maybe about uh, six episodes in. We did an episode on the Radicals. And, you know, we had been told going in, if we got 10,000 downloads, we'd start to make some money. Uh, but our first episode did 61,000 on Dusty Roads, and, and we thought, okay, well, maybe we're on to something. But that Radicals episode, uh, it caught fire just from word of mouth, and, you know, three days in, we had more than 300,000 downloads, and we knew that we were off to the races, and we haven't looked back. Did you find it difficult to embrace this role of being a guy, sort of being the host, you know, being a, a business owner and not, and not in the business at that point? Did you find it difficult to sort of make that transition of going, I'm not a fan anymore. I'm now in the business. Yes and no. Uh, you know, I still consider myself in the wrestling business. I'm in the podcast business. That's a totally different thing. You know, I've never quote unquote booked the territory. I've never trained to be a wrestler. I've never taken a bump. You know, but I, I have promoted you know wrestling themed events. But you know, an event promoter and a podcaster are, are really what I am more so than. You know, being in the wrestling business and I know that you know Tony Schiavone would argue that that's splitting hairs but I don't think it is I do think there is a difference you know I'm not ever going to promote something where there's a wrestling ring and I'm trying to sell tickets to watch matches or come up with storylines for you know wrestling characters that's that's really not my forte and and, and that's something I'm interested in trying to be honest how did the live the idea for live shows come about we were approached uh, for Wrestlemania weekend in Orlando to do a live show and um, we made the decision to uh, to take a stab at it we had a promoter who you know found a building for us and then we put the tickets on sale and we didn't really know you know what even a live podcast show would be or, or how we would structure it or you know what the expectation would be but the show sold out almost immediately so then we realized well whatever it is it's going to make some money now let's make it good so we put a lot of time and effort into you know what we could do on that show to 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 make it successful and most of the the stuff that we did there the actual formatting of that show is still really what we follow now uh and based on the success of that show selling out so quickly we immediately had a promoter reach out to us in dallas who wanted to do it and another in St. Louis, and you know, then we were off to the races. And eventually, we've you know, sort of settled into a groove where we try to piggyback big WWE events, and, and we run a comedy club as a matinee, and everybody wins. But yeah, total happy accident again. You know, me looking for ways to different, you know, different ways to monetize the podcast, whether it's merchandise or live events or you know sponsorships, whatever it may be. And and the live event category has definitely been a hit. We did three shows over WrestleMania weekend, and I can't imagine that's going to slow down anytime soon. Talk about the idea. Uh, being involved with the NBA games, I know you did a couple. You know, you did a Brooklyn uh, Brooklyn Nets game, and then after the game, you guys were there. What, what was that experience? Being able to sort of cross over, maybe even gain a different type of audience. It was crazy, man. You know, the idea that there was a podcast that you know played to Barclays. You know, it's the practice court, but whatever, it counts. It is is a crazy thing to have on your resume, and uh, it was super fun to do, and, and it was successful enough that uh, the Florida Panthers, the NHL team, they wanted to do the same thing, and, and we jumped at the chance to do that. So last year, you know. We we did a hockey team and a basketball team, and uh, I guess now we're just trying to uh, see if we can work our weasel our way into a football team. But uh, I have a couple ideas on how that might be possible now. And how did the relationship with uh, Tony Schiavone and Eric Bischoff come about? Was, was that through Rick as well? Yeah, they were both just guests on the Ric Flair show, and I think the episodes we did with Eric Bischoff on One Nation are some of the best episodes we ever did, uh, just because we really got to 
you a different side of Eric, and I was just fascinated with him and the way he told the story. So he tried a podcast on his own, uh, and I don't think he was really pleased with the results. And eventually, we were able to uh, find a scenario where we could work together, and uh, it's proved to be very fruitful. And uh, and I know he's enjoying it. What are some of the challenges that you have to go through, uh, you know, doing these shows every single week with Tony, uh, Bruce, and uh, Eric? What are some of the difficult times, difficult things that you have to go through, and some in trials and tribulations you guys have to go through with putting these shows together? It's really time. You know, it's just a function of time. You know, I've got a full-time mortgage gig that I still do, and then I've got these three uh, podcasts that we do every week about to be four. Plus, we've got to crank out some bonus content every month for Patreon for each show, and then we travel on the weekends nearly every weekend for a live show. So the idea of juggling all of that, you know, and having a, a wife and a couple of daughters, it's a lot. Uh, so time is at a premium, and I've, I've had to become very efficient with my time, and there's lots of multitasking, and, you know, I have a great support staff who helps, you know, sort of fill the gaps. But that's really it. You know, time is, time is always the biggest component and, and and the biggest challenge you know just for instance today i had to wake up at 6 a.m and rush over to a studio because i'm out of town to uh to tape eric bischoff show but i had a hard out at nine o'clock so i had to tape from you know seven to nine uh, and i had to absolutely positively be out of there at nine and uh, now i've got to find you know a different studio this afternoon when bruce is available to try to record bruce uh so i find myself just sort of running around trying to just stay caught up sometimes and and, and that, that's the biggest challenge every week just finding the time if if i had to say between all three shows for, for all three shows if you had to pick one episode for each show that you consider your favorite which one would it be for eric uh, tony and bruce yeah it's too hard to say you know the one that everybody is really talking about a lot lately with uh with eric is the star k 97 show just because we had such a big debate about sting and hulk hogan and i think you know that's a, a watershed moment for the show where people really point to it and and say that you know that's the biggest mistake that wcw ever made uh, but i really enjoy you know some of the more upset your episodes you know we've done some that were really behind the scenes early in his tenure where we got to talk about bill watts and things like that i really enjoy those type old school episodes uh with tony shivani without question the most talked about show we've ever done is halloween havoc 95 and that's really the first time that tony embraced the silly and foul uh i mean he went as dirty and as blue as you could and it was <laughs> recorded late night after a couple of margaritas and uh, it was just absolutely silly but it, it's still the most talked about episode for that for his show and it's really hard to pick with something to wrestle because you know we've had several different runs or strings of shows where i think each one's better than the last and you know that, that one's still up for debate but i think a bit of a sleeper episode is probably the wwe cw episode mm -hmm. there's so many that. funny little moments in that one uh and, and i know two of the more talked about ones were the jim Cornette one which still continues to do really really well with downloads and the bret hart 96 97 episode because we break down you know the entire return for, for Brett and then of course the screw job in great detail and you know that's a, a bit of a marathon episode but but people really dig that for something to wrestle and with something to wrestle I will tell you the Bret Hart one was in my top three as well as the Austin walks out episode and I just I felt that because Austin has always been one of my favorites and there's so many questions that were never really answered about that it was just he was just sort of welcome back without a lot of explanation so the way for you guys to be able to break that down was pretty cool you're also promoting and and this is you're going into your second star cast and I saw in different articles and different interviews that you did you said that how how exhausting 
the first StarCast was for you and you weren't sure if you would ever try and do it again and now you're doing the second one. Can you talk about the grind it is to, to put on an event like this, especially this year, the, the, the challenge and, the, and how this is very taxing on you? Well, I mean, first of all, you've got you've to find the right you know time and place so uh obviously after i did the first one i never imagined all elite wrestling would become a thing uh but now it is and they're running their first show in las vegas so it makes sense to do a star cast here but you know once you know the host city you've still got to find the right property so you've got to tour a bunch of properties and figure out who has the best layout that could make it work and then who has the availability but then on the financial end you know you've got to see what the financial obligations look like and so once you really have your arms around all that now you've got to worry about the logistics of where does everyone register? Uh, how do the lines flow? What type of signage do we need? Uh, how could someone get here and get lost? And then you've got to make sure that you've got all the talent lined up. Uh, who's flying in and on what day? And what are we paying them? And what should we charge fans? And how? what day should they do their meet and greet? And from what time? Who should run the line for that meet and greet? And who should collect the money for that meet and greet? And who should take the picture for that meet and greet? And what room is that meet and greet going to happen in? Uh, and who's going to pick them up from the airport? And who's going to drop them off? Uh, and who's going to make sure they're at the venue at the right time? Uh, you know, and it's just, you know, all those little things. You know, who's, making, who's creating the 8x10? Who's ordering them? Who's picking them up? Who's making sure they're there? You know, to that, that all of that attention to detail has to happen for 150 wrestlers and you've also got to make sure that you've got the stage shows figured out not just what are what shows are we putting on stage but what stage what time who's hosting it how many mics do we need how many television cameras do we need how many television screens in the room do we need what sort of set design do we need uh, and oh by the way what's the content of the show what are they talking about uh, and then most of all you've got to figure out how do we promote this you know, how do we let people know what it is? How do we explain what it is, where it is, how much it is? How do we build value? Uh, and, and, and then you've got to make sure that everybody gets paid. So it's, it's quite the undertaking, you know, especially, you know, you're not doing what I just ran through for one show. You're doing it for 40 shows and you're doing it, you know, across four days and two properties. Uh, on the other coast, I live in Alabama and all this is happening in Las Vegas. To say that it takes uh, a team to make it happen, you know, not just from social media and graphics, website and app, but the actual logistics of, booking everyone's hotel room and making sure everyone you know has their flights and you know it's 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 crazy it, it is it is an unbelievable undertaking i'm really good friends with guys who just do promotions like they just do one event a year they do one big major convent a year and that's their full-time year-round job and here i am doing two in less than a year and mortgages and podcasts times four so it's probably you know more than i have time for what are some of the things that you like to do on that rare spare time that you do have i don't even know what spare time is <laughs> are you um are you a football fan sports fan at all yeah, I used to be, yes, sir. I've had season tickets for Alabama since 2005. Uh, I haven't gone to a game, uh, a home game in two years, uh, but I still have the tickets. And, you know, I'll try to catch the SEC championship or a playoff game or the national championship. But, no, I'm a huge Alabama fan, and I try to watch it at the NFL every Sunday. And uh, Obviously, I'll watch playoff basketball and, you know, playoff baseball and stuff like that. But, but you know, as far as uh, I can't miss this game or that game, that really only exists for Alabama. Okay. No, that's that's fair so you know you've also been very um, very in front with also with AEW I know you don't have as much of an affiliation with them they're helping you out and you're helping them out wherever you guys can how important do you think the need in this business for competition is 
No, I think it's huge. You know, I mean, I think it makes everybody better. Uh, that's certainly been, you know, my experience and understanding. You know, I think Vince... Vince creates a better product when he feels like he's got somebody nipping at his heels. And uh, maybe that's what AEW will inspire is, you know, not only a great product themselves, but one that makes Vince uh, feel a little threatened and and dig a little deeper and get a little more creative. And in the end, everybody wins if that's the case. And, you know, the simple fact that, again, your success cannot be, um, you know, it cannot be ignored from what you've been able to accomplish in the short amount of time. Uh, again, I have said this before, before we uh, started this interview, and I'm going to uh, say it again. You know, congratulations on all your success. Out of all the interviews I get to do with uh, different athletes and stuff like this, I was, this is one of those ones of those in the business interviews I've always wanted to do because when you get to talk to someone who you sort of admire for the work that you put in, and you sort of model what you do around what that person was, has succeeded with, it's always an honor because you can always can continue to learn. So, for that, Conrad, I thank you, congratulate you on all your success. Well, it's nice of you to say, man. I really appreciate that. You know, I, there's no there's no magic formula. If somebody's listening to this and they want to create their own content, my advice to you would be just do it. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes people overthink it and think that there's more to it than there really is. There's really not. You know, whenever somebody asks for my advice, you know, how do I get in the business? Well, I'm not in the wrestling business, so I can't answer that, but I can't tell you the answer. It's go do something. You know, you just start doing stuff, and then eventually uh, people take notice, and you, and you earn some relationships. And if you really uh, actively focused on getting better and doing better you will and if you're just comfortable doing a little less then that's okay too but it's going to be a hobby and not one that you're gonna you know be able to really grow so my advice would be you know uh, just start doing stuff and, and be focused on on being better and if you're willing to put in the work it'll happen maybe not on your time schedule but uh, it'll happen